Welcome back to Slice Up Your Life. I am your host, Rich Bedell. And I know I've gone on a bit of a hiatus. July went by really fast and it was a crazy month. Um, And full disclosure, I really didn't have the energy or willpower to schedule or execute any podcast. So I didn't. Um, But I am more than excited to have this episode for y'all. I know our guest, Eddie, from the University of Iowa. He is the director of Iowa Athletics IT. Um, he came to the States from Ghana and has started his own nonprofit, Eddie's Teddies. And to be honest, that just scratches the surface of his story and everything he has to offer today. So this one is on a little bit of the longer side, but I encourage y'all to stick through it because he has so many amazing points and he's a character and full of energy and absolutely hilarious. And I love talking to him and I can promise you won't be disappointed. So I hope you guys enjoy my conversation with Eddie. I know you sent me the cutest picture of you and your daughter um, yeah. napping. How old is she now? So she's 15 months. 15 months. Okay. I was like, I knew she was yep. like just about a year. Yeah. She's 15 months. Uh, she's talking, running, doing all that baby stuff. So, Oh goodness. How's, <laughs> how's fatherhood been? You know, fatherhood, uh, I, fatherhood is not that hard, right? I mean, it's not for me, it hasn't been that hard. I do have a better or more appreciation for motherhood because, I mean, like, women go through a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just break it down. I mean, like, even, like, even non-mothers as a woman, you have enough struggles in life, right? But yeah. adding, like, an added stress of, like, having a child and then, like, you know, doing all those, like, motherhood stuff, I mean, wow, like. I had more appreciation for my mom and like women in general and then mothers. Like, I don't know how single mothers do it in this world. Oh, not at all. I have no yeah, idea. Crazy. I no was props, though. just with one of my best friends and she has two kids, an almost four year old and almost two year old. And then she's pregnant due in October. And wow. we were at a basketball game and her husband was playing. And so it was just, you know, it was us. Her, pa- her parents were there, but just every single second it's like, I want mom, I want mom or this thing, or can I have this thing? And it's like, Oh my gosh, I, I spend two hours with you. And I'm like, I don't know how you do it every single time. Right. Yeah. I mean, it does. Uh, I was just like, that's, that's crazy. But fatherhood is not really that hard. At, at least for me, it's not, um, for other people it might be, but I, I mean, I, I grew up, um, being like the only son um, mm-hmm. so basically, you know, all my sisters and my mom and I'm like practically a mama's boy. Right. So, yeah. so I like, I grew up with a lot of female influence in my life. Um, so again, being a father is really more of like, you know, translating what I've learned growing up with all those wonderful women around me. So, oh, definitely. And do your sisters, yep. like, do you have any nieces or nephews? Yes, yeah. So the crazy thing is, I have seven nephews. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, I have seven nephews, and my daughter is the first female, and the first grandchild that's a female. So I mean, one, she's like super protected. Two, she's like super spoiled. <laughs> that is hilarious, though. That you, as the only yeah. boy, you're the one that had the girl. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yep. And so obviously we'll get into you coming to the States, but is your family around Iowa still? Like are your siblings and parents? No, no. All my family lives in Ghana. Yeah. So I, the, yeah, my family are not here. Um, Basically it's only me and my wife and my daughter that's here. Everybody else is in Ghana. So did they move back after you guys came to the States? Yeah, they sure did. Okay. yeah, initially my parents moved. Um, we all moved to the United States. Well, my dad moved here in 1992, um, and then my sisters and my mom we moved here in '93. Um, and so we moved here because my dad was doing a PhD at that time at Iowa in statistics and actual science. Mm-hmm. Um, so we moved here to join my dad, and then my mom started a PhD, and then back in '99 we all moved back to Iowa. I mean, back to uh, Ghana. And then I got back to Ghana. I was so confused because, like, I don't have any friends anymore. Like, life is crazy. Like, and you so, just had a couple of years in the States to get acclimated and then went back. Right, exactly. And it was crazy because at that time, I, I had just finished high school. 
Um, and so, and I started University of Iowa. So, like, of course, going through high school in Iowa, I built a new, like, support group. And then when I got back to Ghana, I was like, wait, where are all my friends? They're all gone and I don't have any friends and I'm all lonely now. So, like, two different cultures, like, fighting each other. Like, so I was like, you know what? I'm going back. So, so I came back to um, Iowa. Actually, I came back to uh, stay with my auntie in New Jersey. Uh, which was a different cultural shock too. Yeah, Iowa and <laughs> uh, New like, Jersey are quite, they may as well be different countries. <laughs> yep. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not cut off from New Jersey. So then I moved back to Iowa by myself to um, finish my, um, my undergrad here in Iowa. And I'm still here. So how long did you live, go back to Ghana and then go to Jersey for? So when I moved back to Ghana, I actually literally stayed in Ghana for like six months. Okay. <laughs> um, because again, you know, coming to the United States, you hear all these great things in Ghana about, oh my God, US is awesome, US is this. And then you get here and it's like, oh, this is really not what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, especially being a minority in high school speaking um, British English, right? Yeah. Uh, and so it was crazy. I got here and everyone's making fun of me like, oh my God, you sound African. I'm like, well, though, I am from Africa. You think I am from? You know, so it's like, like, why, why are these people hating on me? Because, like, I sound different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was weird transitioning in high school. And then going back to Ghana, by that time, I have picked up some, some American English. And so I get back, and I'm speaking, and people are like, you sound weird. I'm like, what do you mean I sound weird? I am from here. You know, so it's like... Yeah, like, this is my home place. I I had that a little bit, I mean, on a very smaller scale, but coming from Texas to Iowa, no one thought yeah. I really had an accent other than when I said y'all. But going back to Texas, everyone was like, you have a Midwestern access now, accent now. They made fun of how I said everything. And I was like, no, I don't. I was in Iowa for, like, a y- two years. And they are like, no, 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 you have a... You're, you're so Midwest now. You have a Midwest accent. I'm like, okay, you guys are full of it. So I can't even imagine when you actually have an accent, <laughs> yes, <laughs> what yes. the difference is. Yes, it's crazy. But I mean, again, you just, you know, learn to survive, right? But mm-hmm. it was weird going back home, like at least what I called home. And then people are like, oh, you sound different. And I'm like, wait, don't I belong here anymore? Yeah. So I don't belong in the U.S. And I don't belong in Ghana. Like, what, what, what am I? I'm just going to, like, go sit in the Atlantic Ocean or what's up, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, so it, it was it was weird transitioning back and forth and trying to find my identity um, mm-hmm. in that whole, you know, space. And, you know, but, you know, God is good, so. <laughs> God is good. And, okay, going off that, did you, was your whole family or what, were your whole family believers like, or was that something that you just kind of developed on your own? Yeah. So my, um, my, my parents, actually, they do a lot of ministry work. Um, the, my parents planted, well, they're church planters. Um, so they planted a couple of churches before we came to the U.S. And then we went back and the churches grew and stuff like that. But both of my parents are professors at the university. Um, they do a lot of workshops and stuff like that. But on the side, they actually are ministers. Um, so mm-hmm. they do a lot of outreach. Um, they they have again workshop for um, pastors on you know teaching. And my dad actually, we have a family um, supported radio show that my dad preaches on the radio every Sunday in a language that is local to um, the city that he's at. Um, so a lot of people in that city, which is in Cape Coast, in Ghana right now, there's a lot of fishermen, um, a lot of farmers. So basically, like Sunday morning, they might not get a chance to go to church or do anything like that. So my dad preaches on the radio in the language so they can listen to it at 6.30 p.m. when they come back. That is so all cool. All their life struggles, yeah. So, so yeah, so when, I grew up. I grew up in a Christian home, yeah. Yep. So when you guys came to the states, did you like find a church or what? How was that? Because I'm sure that was completely or different um, atmosphere. Too. It was. It was. So it, it, <laughs> when we came to the U.S., um, my again, my dad was here for a year, so he had found 
a core group of people that he used to have Bible study with and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so when we got here, it was easy to find a church in transition, but there is a huge cultural difference in how we worship versus and then versus um, how they worship here. And so, you know, in Ghana, worship is like you go to church and you know Sundays are church times. So you're going to spend at least four hours in church, right? Oh, wow. Um, and so, again, it, it doesn't seem like four hours, but when you go to church, you know that, you know what, Sunday is reserved for God and family. Nothing mm-hmm. else matters. <laughs> so you go to church, um, you sing songs for like an hour, <laughs> and then you have like Bible study, and then after that, you hang out with like your church people, like fellowship, mingle. Um, when, we get, when, when we came to the U.S., uh, the first time we went to church, it was like exactly an hour and 15 minutes. Church was yep. over. And it was like we're trying to get everybody out of the building for the next service. And, and, and I'm like, yo, Dad, like, aren't we going to hang around and like chat and find out what's happening? They're like, you know, Ed, we have to go home. And so usually what we did was my dad took us out with Chinese um, after <laughs> church on Sundays. And that was how we spent time together. But it was so weird. I'm like... What is this, what is wrong with these people? Like, why are they why are they like messing with God's time like that, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, so it was clockwork <laughs> in Ghana. Was there way more of a I don't want to say appreciation, but I know I've heard a lot with the podcast I listen to of like how we're really bad at practicing Sabbath. Like we're like we'll listen to every other commandment, but we will not practice Sabbath. We'll just ignore oh, that one. Yes. Is that yeah. a lot more? Is like Sabbath Sunday in Ghana like a real thing? Yes. Yeah, Sundays, usually all the shops are closed. Um, um, even the crazy thing is even our Muslim friends on Sundays, they don't actually even do anything on Sundays because it's respected that Sunday is God's day. Um, that's when you should rest, spend time with your family. Again, there you know there's smaller shops that open, but usually on Sundays, you go to like a lot of several countries, especially in Ghana. Um, places are closed down. There's like no traffic on the road. You see people just hanging out with their families in their houses, um, just like spending time with each other. You know? Yeah. yeah. Would, would there big be like big family meals and things like that? You know, not necessarily. I mean, but it, usually family hang out a lot with each other, right? Again, mm-hmm. it's, it's a day of rest. So even though there might not be a huge family gathering, um, usually people actually just, you know, visit each other after church or mm-hmm. check on the neighbors or see how you're doing and, you know, that kind of thing. It is not funny. Here. Not here. It is. Yeah. I, here, when you go to church and it's like over an hour long service, they tell you that like in the beginning, like I know the church I go to now, it's from 1030 to 12 ish, sometimes 1230. But when I went to church in Iowa City, like the very first time or pretty much every time they would start, they'd be like, okay, just let you guys know, like we will go a little bit over an hour because it's protocol that like everything is usually just an hour here, like 60 minutes on the dot. We'll cut things if we need to cut things. So it is funny how different it is. It is. It is is different. I mean, so a lot of times, again, I think the United States, it's an individualistic community. Um, versus a lot of versus Ghana, which is a community oriented um, community. So what happens is um, the community oriented society is based on the fact that you know what building relationships is more valuable than your own time, right? So mm. in Ghana, spending time with each other is a more of a priority than you spending time really by yourself. In the United States, it's more about you spending time with yourself, your own time is more precious than spending time with somebody else. So what happens is we miss out a lot on building relationships or having meaningful relationships with our neighbors, our friends, our you know people at work and stuff like that because we're so much focused on me and my internal needs Versus in Ghana, it's all about the society and building a community together, which is is the big difference. Yeah. And that was probably, I think I read somewhere that that was one of the biggest things 
when you came over, that was the hardest is that it's everyone was on for them, essentially for themselves is the easy way yes. to put it for here in the States. And you yeah. came from such a community um, centric country and atmosphere. So it was just such, again, a yeah. culture shock, I'm sure on all levels. You know, I, and I, I explained it in this way. Um, if like when I moved to the United States, it was like taking me and dumping me in super cold, icy water with sharks. Oh <laughs> right. It, 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 it was especially, you know, being in high school again at that time mm-hmm. in the 93 age, I was what, uh, 14, 15. And so at that young age, when you're starting to develop and starting to build your identity and then you get here and everything you know or everything that people think about you is ripped apart and you're being made fun of, um, especially when you hear from your superiors that you're not good enough to do something, like it really messes with you, right, Um, at a very young age. And it was, it, it really like, I was just like trying to swim out of cold water being chased by sharks. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, a, yeah. A lot. Like, again, a lot of um, international students, when they get here, or a lot of people from different countries, when they get here, it's it, they experience the same thing because, you know, they're different, they sound different, and usually people don't readily accept something that's different. Yeah. And talk a little bit about, I know I read, was it your guidance counselor that completely just shut you down? Oh, yes. You're going to make me tear up. (laughs) So it's good. Again, I love sharing my story because, you know, it's a platform I use to start my nonprofit organization, Eddie's Teddy's, which I can talk about here in a little bit. So um, in my junior year in high school, um, I was looking for colleges, um, and I was a pretty smart guy, um, and I played a lot of soccer. So I was, you know, pretty athletic, and I, I was, I, I was good. I had a, a 3.2, 3.5 GPA my junior year, right? So yeah. I went to my guidance counselor. I was like, "Hey, I'm ready to uh, apply for colleges. What do you think? Um, you know, I want to go to Iowa. I want to go here and apply for this scholarship." A guidance counselor. Look at my GPA, look at my classes, and then look at me and said, You know, I really hate to break it down to you, but you're not going to make it in college. I'm like, okay, you are rude. Um, but and a guidance counselor of all people. Yes, and he didn't stop. And he then told me that, you know, the best advice I could give you right now is um, you should probably continue working at Fairway, which I was working at that time, part time. Um, you should, if you continue working that fairway, you know, maybe you can, you know, get a career in becoming a store manager or a lot of people also work at McDonald's so you can become a, a supervisor at McDonald's. Um, and I'm like, okay. But then he goes, if you really want to go to school, you should look into technical schools and maybe you can get a technical job and become like some, um, technical person somewhere like a plumber or mm-hmm. or a, a you know and the thing is i have so much respect for all professions and i respect everybody in those professions but again i didn't come all the way from ghana to the united states working so hard and studying so hard for somebody to tell me that you know what you're not going to make it in college because you're not good enough which didn't even doesn't even make like it's you had a good gpa and like you were you were working so, you were doing things here's what actually happened so when we moved to the united states somebody my god is counselor thought oh this guy is a foreigner and he doesn't really speak american english so we're going to place him in a low track so a lot of people don't know in in the american system there's different tracks and so, for example, um, if you're not extremely, like, if you're not in the AP track, you can be in a normal track or you can be in a lower track. So when we got here, because we're from, because I was from a different country, they placed me in the lowest track, which means I was taking basic algebra, basic geometry, basic mm-hmm. history, like all the basic classes. And I was excelling in all those basic classes. 
instead of being moved from the basic classes into the next level, that never happened because they're like, oh, well, you're doing good here, so we're just going to live you there. So I never actually took any college prep courses, and I was mm-hmm. never advised to take any college prep courses that will actually qualify me to apply and get into any colleges. Right. And this was this this whole thing was determined by my guidance counselor and whoever other individuals that says, you know what, Eddie is going to be in this track. I mean, that decision is made right now in the schools. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it was crazy. I remember going home that day crying so much, going my mom was like, my guidance counselor said I was stupid and I'm not smart enough and I'm not going to make it in life. And I remember my mom telling me two things. My mom said, you can fix a broken bone, but you can't fix a broken mind, again, because I was pretty athletic. Mm-hmm. And, and she also said that there is two people in this world that know what you're capable of. It's me, your mom, who gave birth to you, and God who made you. If one of those people are not telling you that you cannot make it, then you need to stop listening to what everybody else is saying and get back and go prove them wrong. Then on, I have been living my life to prove everybody wrong that has told me that I cannot do something. Did you have a relationship in terms of like praying or like hearing from God while you were, you know, trying to decide when you're in Ghana to come back to the States or... Um, anything like that? Yeah, there, there's a lot of prayer um, involved. And the, the great thing is, um, I will say I have a great support system, um, including, you know, my, my family and my super close friends who, you know, constantly pray for me all the time. Um, during that time when I was making a transition, especially when I came back, to the United States by myself and just trying to figure out life, you know, after being told you're not good, good enough to go to college and you're not good enough to do this, you know, and I came back to prove myself or to prove to my guidance counselor that I can do it. Um, prayer became a second, like it became a secondary thing, right? Because I was so much focused on proving somebody wrong Mm -hmm. that I had forgotten that I needed to have prayer attached to everything that I did, right? Um, Again, part of human nature is, you know, when when things are going okay for you, you tend to forget about god being there yeah. <laughs> um which which which, which is, and we shouldn't do that right because mm-hmm. you know again you know in thessalonians i think it talked about you know in, in everything you should pray right um and so for me it was i i had to come to the realization that oh my god i am not here by my own might but I am here because of all the prayer warriors in my life that prayed to, for me to get the strength to do what I do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so, and then, you know, so once I figured that out, it's like, oh my God, I need to be part of a Bible study and I need to be part of um, a small group and I need to invest in the youth. Um, and so what I started doing was I started working with a lot of youth and um, the, the elementary school kids and so during that point, since I had to teach them the word of God, I had to really get into the word to understand it and pray about it for me to translate it for those kids. Um, and that was when I was like, you know what, I really need to get back to praying because I, I can't do this by myself. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter how hard I try, I really need God in my life. How old were you when you were working with the elementary school kids? Uh, this was, I was 22, 23. Okay. So just like out of college or in the midst of that. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. I started working with uh, elementary school kids. Well, high, I, I did high school youth group um, when I was in college. 
Um, and then after I finished, after I finished college, I went back and started working with l- uh, little kids. Okay. So. Well, and cause you do that. I mean, that's something that I noticed too, working together is that you were constantly, your the biggest thing is you're always trying to help people and motivate people. I know like with like Trisha getting her involved with people or like, I heard you were telling Sarah she should go be on this. It was like woman's leadership on the board. board. Yeah. yeah, which I did. I got her to get involved. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> she did it. I'm still working on Trisha. Yeah, so Sarah <laughs> is on the community. Uh, she's on the event planning committee for um, the Johnson Crisis Center, which is that community crisis center. Um, and so we're planning this big 50th anniversary because I'm on the board of directors. And so I was trying to get Sarah to get on the board. But I'm trying to get her to get a feel of what it is that we do. So she's now on the committee. I'm still working on Trish a little bit. I'm challenging her. Uh, but you know what? Eventually, I'll get her to do things too. <laughs> well, she'll hear that. So now, now, That's great. Now you'll know. I got you, Trish. I got you. <laughs> um, but I mean, going back, I mean, I think what I really got good at doing is um, looking at people's potentials, right? So... I mean, people, a lot of people have great potential, but sometimes we don't realize our own potential until somebody comes by and be like, oh my God, like you're super smart. You're super brilliant. You're wasting your time doing this. You should get more involved and do this so you can see how good you are. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, that's, that's really all I want to accomplish. It's really just telling people, getting people to realize that, you know what? you are actually using 40% of your brain right now. Like if you can use or tap into like even 70 or 80%, you can do amazing things, right? Mm-hmm. And you can pick that up by just, you know, working with people. Um, but you have to actually study people and watch people understand how they function in order to do that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you have a good grasp grasp on that from the community like living that you grew up in? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Again, growing up in the community environment, you learn to know people, understand people, um, understand the different personality types of people, and learn how to communicate people's love languages, right? Mm-hmm. Because again, we all have different love languages, but you have to understand how to communicate to people in those love languages for them to understand. So Eddie's Teddy's it's been for five years. Yeah, so I've been I've been doing Eddie's Teddy's traveling back and forth to Ghana for about five years now. Um and the the very first time the Eddie's Teddy's idea came to me when I was sitting in the hospital. Um, working at the help desk. Uh, I was bored out of my mind because I was like, oh my God, I need to be challenged. And so I started reading about, you know, some random stuff about kids and stuff like that. So I ran into this research that says that a patient or even a child that is brought to the hospital, if they have a companion, and a companion can be described as either like a teddy bear or a pacifier or something they can hold, Mm-hmm. The recovery rate is twice as fast as somebody who doesn't have a companion. Oh, wow. um, and then they did a third group that says if you have a companion and then also have faith, you you get better about three times as fast as somebody who has neither faith or a companion, right? Oh, wow. So I was like, oh, that's crazy because there's a lot of kids that their parents drop off at the hospitals in Ghana. Oh, there's a lot of kids in Ghana who their parents are busy working because they don't have anything. So I'm like, I can do something about that. So I remember the following year on Valentine's Day or after Valentine's Day, um, when they have all those teddy bears left over in the shelves at Walmart, I went and bought 50 of those teddy bears. <laughs> and later that later that um, that year in December, I took all those 50 teddy bears to Ghana. And and the goal was to get those 50 teddy bears into the hands of kids who need it, right? And so mm-hmm. I handed one of the the teddy bears to one of the kid, and of course the teddy bears are Valentine teddy bears, and it says "I love you" on it, right? Or "Be mine" on it. And I remember giving the teddy bear to this kid, and it was 
the craziest emotion that I've ever felt that I was so happy, but I was so emotional. And I remember like hugging this kid and like just like cheering up because I was like at that point in time, I realized that I had given something to some kid who has never in her life owned a thing before. And this teddy bear was something that she can say, oh, my God, like, this is my teddy bear. This is my companion. And when I am going through hard times and I'm crying, I can hold on to this. And it's mine and it's nobody else. So having that feeling, like, even talking about this right now, I remember exactly how I feel and, like, I get all cheered up and stuff like that. And it's just, like, it's crazy because at that point in time, I realized that that moment was not about me. It was about the other girl, right? Mm -hmm. It was about the little girl that I was serving at that time. And that little girl got something out of me stepping out of my comfort zone, out of my mind, my body, and being in the moment with that girl. And that was it. From that point on, I was like, okay. I need to do something. I need to do more. I love this feeling. I need to get this feeling every year. <laughs> and so that's kind of how the whole Eddie Teddy thing started. Um, and then kind of transitioned into, oh, okay, we need to do more people. We need to like help more people and more kids. Um, and so I really, I was flying under the radar um, doing my own thing, just helping kids in, in Ghana and stuff like that. And then um, I had this idea that, you know what, I am going to take my youth group kids to Ghana because I need them to feel what it feels like to not have anything but to praise God with all you have, which is absolutely nothing, right? Mm -hmm. So in 2016, I took a group of um, high school kids my um, junior high kids to Ghana and we went there and built the very first library in this small remote village and we spent time with the kids and I mean the the just going through that experience oh it was life-changing for a lot of these high school kids most of them are in college now and they text me and they're like you know what oh my god like how are those kids doing and you know they like, so I'm still doing this that we did in Ghana, and it's just it's really life changing for them. And and I couldn't stop there. Um, so then I I had to officially register the Eddie's Teddy's nonprofit organization and trademark, so that way I can now raise more money mm -hmm. to do more things because more people need help. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so that's how the whole Eddie Studies thing started. So, but this summer, um, we, we added uh, um, a, a great, uh, I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. So we, we went back this summer with my board of directors. Um, we went to one of the schools, took school, school supplies to all of the kids. Um, and then we also built a computer lab, took computers and taught the kids how to use computers and stuff like that. Um, and, but one of the most powerful thing was there's a group of um, young girls, 11 to about 17. Um, they're all part of uh, a church youth group. So before we went, we, we thought about um, taking like uh, menstrual kits, right? So basically, there's an organization called Days for Girls. Um, and Days for Girls, what they do is they... Um, um, they have a slogan called, they have a slogan which is uh, turning period into pathways. So basically what happens is a lot of the foreign, uh, third world countries, a lot of the girls who are from like um, poor families or they don't have anything, some of them when they get their periods and menses and stuff like that, they usually just sit at home. So there are girls who miss about, you know, five days or seven days of school a month. Right, mm -hmm. because they are in their period, right, and it's crazy because a lot of these girls then they miss a lot, so they have to repeat great, so they fall behind. And so we, I learned about this in 2016 when we went, 
And so we came back and we're like, oh, my God, we need to do something. It was crazy um, because my my partner in crime, um, Risa, has a wonderful woman. She learned from a friend saying that, oh, there's this organization called Days for Girls, and they make period kits. And she was like, we should try it out. I was like, that's brilliant. <laughs> and so we took 60 period kits to Ghana with us. We didn't oh. know how we we're going to do this and how we we're going to get a chance to present it to people, how we we're going to give it out. But we were sitting in church, and this is like, I mean, this is like a God moment, like nothing but a God moment. We were sitting in church with these young kids, like this young group of girls. Um, there's about 25 of them. And so um, and it was funny because my mom was the one that was actually teaching Sunday school by that Sunday. So, you know, we went with her to go visit. So we're sitting in Sunday school and my mom has finished preaching a lesson. And we were like, OK, you know what? Sunday school is over. We're about to go home. We have these kids. What do we do? And, you know, my mom was like, hey, so does anybody have any question um, about anything? Right. And so we're sitting there like, well, all right, well, maybe another time. And one of the girls got up and said, well, I hope it's okay, but I have been struggling with something. Um, is it okay if I ask a question about my period? <gasps> yeah. You're and kidding. In, oh, my gosh. I, I am dead serious. And immediately, like, it was like the door has just opened Mm -hmm. to talk about exactly what we were there to talk about. And we didn't have to do anything. I mean, like, it, that was not a God moment. I don't know what it's, right? Seriously. So like, if she, that wasn't him speaking through yeah, her. So she was just like, yeah. You know, so, again, you know, um, so for all you listeners, this might get a big graphic. I apologize. <laughs> um, so basically, she was like, yeah, um, so when I, when I have my period, I, I get a really heavy flow and my mom thinks it's weird. And like, is that, am I weird? Is that, is that normal? And it was crazy because we, we um, took, we had a medical um, a nurse with us, right? So, um, so instantly we're like, oh, we have a nurse. So then we had the nurse start talking about, you know, what it is for um, the female body to go through the the the, the menstrual cycle, um, mm -hmm. and then just talk about, you know, the changes that happens and all the different things happening in the body. And you know, during that time, we went through and gave them period kits. So we end up giving out. 52 because other people started hearing about oh they're talking about periods at church and all of a sudden all these women started running to the church to oh listen yeah so we ended up giving out 52 um of the period kids and then um we ended up living eight but it was just one of those moments that god used to actually do exactly what we're there to do and it was nothing else but a God moment, you know? And so just talking to those kids. And a lot of these kids are from, like, broken homes, right? Um, a quick mm -hmm. story about one of the girls. Um, her name is, uh, well, her name is Mary. Um, Mary, um, uh, family, f from a family of nine, um, her family practices witchcraft, right? Which is normal, you know, in, in, in a lot of the third country in Ghana. Yeah. It's pretty so she, at the age of 13, decided to run away from home because she didn't want to practice witchcraft. Mary's twin brother is in jail for robbing people. Um, and so when she left home, her parents disowned her. Okay, um, Her father then died a couple of years later. And so she was just out going around sleeping with friends week to week. Um, everybody in the village knew that Mary was not going to do anything with her life. She's just worthless and blah, blah, blah. Mary then moved to live with her sister. Um, her sister <laughs> got... Uh, uh, sorry. So um, Mary when, like, would be sleeping in her room, and all those older men would come into the room and try to sleep with Mary, and Mary would run away. So one day, Mary asked about her sister, why are all these old men coming to your house and trying to sleep with me? And so, and the sister 
um, reply back and say, well, how do you want me to pay for you staying with me, right? Uh. So essentially, Mary, Mary's sister, older sister, had been collecting money from all these older men to come and sleep with this 14-year-old girl. Um, so Mary then ran away, right? And so she was just out and about. And again, this is just one of the 25 girls in mm-hmm. that room. In, that yeah, just in that one space. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, instantly, again, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Listening to Mary's story, um, probably another God moment. I, in, instantly, I look at my board of directors and I told them that I'm going to make a decision that I don't know how we're going to make this happen, but I expect that we do something about it. So I we heard Mary's story and instantly I made a promise to Mary, like right there and then. Um, and I told Mary that moving forward, because Mary is in what, she's 14, 15 now, and she is actually only in sixth grade. And I told Mary from that day forth, so she graduates out of high school, Eddie's Teddy's was going to cover every single bit of her tuition and every single bit of her um, like school supplies and everything she needs to be successful until she graduated out of high school. I do not know what I was thinking. <laughs> um, but I, when I made that promise, I felt like I had to do it. Um, mm-hmm. again, again, it's one of those God things that you're like, you know what? Um, I, I think we have to do this. Yeah. And he made you say it. So then you had to actually follow up on it. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, so again, so, you know, uh, so we set up a scholarship, um, and the scholarship that we set up is we actually set up a scholarship and named the scholarship after Mary. Um, and that, you know, moving forward, um, what we're going to do with Eddie's Teddy's is we actually have a scholarship to help these girls in this situation, um, one, complete school, and two, find a home for them, right? Because, again, we take a lot of resources in the United States for granted. Um, while there's people in, you know, different countries and all they need is, you know, some love and some hug and some just somebody telling them that, you know what, you are good enough and that's all they needed to hear. Yeah. But uh, again, so that's just one story out of like, you know, the trip that we did in the summer. I mean, there's lots of different stories, but we don't have time for that. Was it last night that you were going over stuff for like um, Bible study uh, or something at the, pr- the for prisons? Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, one of my really good friends, um, Tony uh, Patterson, um, he, we're, I'm working, we are going to go to the Oakdale prison to have a worship time with the prisoners. Um, and then I think that the, there's a, uh, the pastor from Grace, um, he's actually preaching. So he's doing the sermon and there's a group of us actually going to just go sing and, you know, praise God with the prisoners, right? Again, yeah. just going into that environment, into a space that, you know, when, you know, the Bible talk about, you know, being in jail, like, you know, being in a space that the only thing that you can look up to is God because you don't matter. And going mm-hmm. to that space and worshiping God and seeing these prisoners worship God is going to be phenomenal. I'm like super stoked about it. So, have you ever done yeah. anything like that before? Um, so this is the first time I'm actually going to prison to go uh, worship in the prison. I have gone to prison before, uh, except it was in Reynosa, Mexico, um, to go talk to people about God and um, stuff. And but that was a mission trip that we did back in the days in Reynosa, Mexico. But this is the first time I'm actually going into uh, a prison in the States and actually just worshiping God with prisoners. Like, oh, I'm pretty excited. Incredible. It's yeah, crazy. Have to because, let me know how yeah. that is. That'll be crazy. I will, I'll do that. I'll do that. A little side comment. So my wife, um, she was a criminal defense attorney for many years. And so 
it's funny because when we're talking, I was like, oh, my God, I finally get to meet your client. (laughs) (laughs) She was looking at me like, you're crazy, you know. Um, But, yeah, no, she's also coming and she's going to be singing with us. And it's going to be it's going to be a magical moment. That is going to be awesome. How did you and your wife meet? No, so back when I used to play soccer, um, I think it was back in 2002-ish, I believe, um, I was at a soccer tournament, and I broke my foot off my leg. Okay, literally, broke my foot off my leg. I had surgery. I was in a cast for six months, um, and so I went back to Ghana to get better. Um, So when I went back to Ghana, it was funny because my mom, my parents, and my wife's parents they were like really good friends, right? So they used to do ministry work together before we were even born. And so when I went home that summer, my sisters were off in boarding school and my wife drove me was in the house because she was on break from school. And so instead of her going all traveling all the way back to her parents' house, she was staying at a house. So it's funny when I got there, she was like there and she's the one that nursed me to, <laughs> to feel better. Oh my and gosh. Oh, okay. Well, I kind of like her. Um, and so we dated, and then I moved back to the United States. I got better, and I was like, you know, I, I don't really need you right now because I'm in the U.S. And um, so we broke up. And then the thing is, like, we, we were really good friends. So we've been friends for like over 20 years, right? Yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> and then you know, later when I came, when I came to my senses. Um, I finally, you know, went back to her and be like, you know, so like, we're like super good friends. Um, do you want to go out with me again? She's like, uh, no, never. Like, <laughs> She's like, you I missed your all- chance. Yeah. Well, and she knows, she, she knew everything about me, right? Because we were like so close. She became my person that I would tell her issues that I was having with my girlfriends at that time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it was. She's like, I don't want to get, I don't want to get involved with all that mess. (laughs) All of that, it was crazy. I was like, all right, well, fine. If uh, you're not going to go out with me, then will you marry me? (laughs) (laughs) And that was it. (laughs) Shut up, seriously? Oh, seriously, yeah. (laughs) Oh my god, that is amazing. Yeah, yeah, and coming from somebody who has commitment issues, I was like, you know what? I think it was time. Like, you know what? You won't go out with me. You're so right. But you know what? I see spending my life with you. So please marry me instead. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. How old were y'all? Um, so let's see. When I, was, I was 30. Years, I was 32. Okay. Yeah. She'd so grown 32. up. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I was, I, was, I was pretty smart at that time. I knew what I was doing. <laughs> oh um, gosh, yeah, I was, and I was 32 and she was 29 okay yeah yep so that is amazing I did not know that at all that's I mean yep. that's a good line that's I mean if you don't want to date you may as well just marry me we don't have to go through know, all right? mess I know I forget all that mess I mean seriously like I mean I get that but that point in time I was like you know what I am ready to settle down I think I have accomplished a lot of things that I needed to accomplish, and I needed a good woman to help me become a better man. Um, and I realized that, you know, out of all the people that I've dated, um, I needed a best friend. I needed someone that knew me and that trusted me and that understood my baggage and still loved me for who I was and gave me the flexibility to be who I was, right? Because mm-hmm. Again, growing up a mama's boy, like, all of my close friends are females. Like, I have, like, very few male friends. Um, you know, and that creates a lot of, well, that created a lot of insecurity for some of the girls that I dated. Because in college, I was rooming with four girls, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, and so yeah. So, like, it was like, why, why are you hanging out with all these girls? But, so, she understood me, and she understood where I came from. And the funny thing is, her all of her really good friends are guys, right? So and she oh and here's the crazy thing: she's also the only girl out of four children. Oh my gosh! So you guys are literally like the yin to the yang. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so we understood each other very well. Um, So again, when I was like, you know what? If you won't date me, will you marry me? At that time, 
I had like taken out my black book, like cross check all of this other girls. I'd be like, yeah, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't like her personality type very much anymore. I think this is it. This is the woman for me, you know, and just got to go with it. Yeah. You, you obviously haven't been wrong. So <laughs> one random question that I have, and it's more so just because I'm curious, how yes. is the food very different in the States versus uh, Ghana? Yes, the food. You know, it's crazy. The food is completely different. Like we, um, American food is hands down fatty unless you well, make yeah. the conscious decision not to eat those kind of food, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in Ghana, the, uh, almost everything we eat is organic, right? Because, I mean, people, there's a lot of farmers um, and it's always nice outside. So people have gardening all year round. So you get fresh tomatoes from the market, like the pineapples, like coconuts, watermelon, like everything is fresh from the tree, right? So the food that we eat back in Ghana, it's really like fresh, organic food, okay? Versus in the U.S., <laughs> almost everything is processed, right? Um, and it, again, it was it was a shock at first. Again, a lot of if anybody's listening right now, right, what you need to do is a lot of international students, when they get here, some of their hardest challenges that they face is the food. Because it takes a while to get used to eating cheese and Even like your taste buds. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The food is completely different. But, you know, you get used to it. I, I really love cooking. I enjoy cooking. Um, I am... I am the cook in the house, although my wife made like really awesome food, but I usually, I'm the cook in the house. Um, and so like, I like playing with, you know, different things, you know, just like yeah. randomly making things. So No, I was just laughing thinking too, because when you came to the States, like at least now people are trying to be healthy and like trying to, you know, dabble in organic. But when you came like the 90s to the early 2000s, like it was everything was processed. Like there wasn't a single healthy thing. You would have searched for something that was green at that time. Yeah. Canned food was it. Like, Oh yeah. Seriously. And that was it. And now everyone's trying to wean themselves off of it. It's, it's, I mean, it's good though. I'm glad people are doing it. Um, but the thing is what people don't realize is for the underprivileged, society um which is most society that i interact with most of them actually might not even have the funds or the means to be healthy right Mm -hmm. so for example a family of uh five uh you can go to mcdonald's and spend oh 15 dollars and feed a whole family right Mm -hmm. but if you want to go healthy and you go to the store and you buy let's say some salad right and you buy some dressing, well, that's really about $15. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you don't so, have any, like, protein or anything in it. Right. You don't have any of that, you know. So, again, it's, it's it, a lot of the demographics or the, um, the population that don't have the means to be healthy, uh, it's hard for them to eat healthy. But, again, that does not give, that does not give the excuse of, well, I don't have the means so I can't exercise, right? Walking yeah. is free, <laughs> and <laughs> you can get out and walk any day. You can go running any day. It's all free. It's you all know, just free. Get some fresh air. Healthy. Yep, living healthy is probably the best. You know? Yeah, without yeah. a doubt. Well, awesome. Yeah. I only have one more question, and it probably is going against everything we just said, but the last thing I always ask everyone is, what's your favorite slice, as in your favorite slice of pizza? Oh, yes. All right. So this might sound a bit nasty, but work with me here. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I tried a seafood pizza in Ghana, right? Not even here. Seafood pizza in Ghana. Um, and it was crazy because they had like the the shrimp. And it wasn't salmon. It was like, what's the uh, tuna? Tuna, yeah. So it was tuna. and Like cooked tuna or like ahi tuna? No, cooked tuna. So it was all nicely decorated on the pizza. 
And I looked at us like, oh my God, that's like nasty. And then I took a bite. Oh, was it amazing? It, it was like orgasm in my mouth. I'm telling you, it was amazing. Uh, yeah, that was probably by far my best slice of pizza I've had, but it was in Ghana, not here. <laughs> I probably fair. would never like a seafood pizza here. Yeah, it probably wouldn't be. I mean, unless you're like on the coast or something and you knew it was super fresh, but I probably wouldn't trust it. Yeah, and Ghana is like right by the coast too. So, you know, it was like, yeah, but here, here I stick with taco pizza. <laughs> true, true. Do you have a, yeah. do you go to like, is it like Happy Joe's or what? Is that the place that people always get it? Where do or just in general, yeah. taco pizza. Yeah, Happy Joe's. Yeah, general in general, taco pizza. I mean, okay. Um, I, uh, I I do like uh, the the wood fired or wood. I don't yeah. know what's the name for it. Yeah, wood that wood. Yeah, that pizza because it's very nice. I like that because it's not thick, um, but it has like just taste. Lots and of flavor. It's, yes, it's just great. Yep. So yeah. Oh well, good seafood oh. pizza. Okay, that's a that's the first one, first time I've ever gotten that one. So there you go. I will um, link below where everyone can find you, email you, Eddie's Teddies, all that good stuff. But thank you for sharing. Those were some awesome stories, and hopefully, um, I know they encourage me, but hopefully encourage some other people to, you know, just see what's around and be thankful and see what they, how they can share and. Um, help motivate and encourage other people and be a part of community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, get out to be part of a community. Um, go and plant seeds and just watch them grow, right? You know, that's what Jesus said in the Bible of the Soa, right? The, mm -hmm. yeah, the Soa. So, yeah, you know, just go plant seeds and just sit back and watch them grow. That's really all life is about, just helping people and true happiness and true joy comes from when you see somebody else is happy because of your action that's when you actually feel truly happy because it's really not about you it's about the other person making you feel happy so get out get involved god is good all the time awesome well thank you so much eddie uh, thanks for having me um, yeah of course yeah. anybody have any questions just hit me up eddiestudies.org <laughs> and, and okay so final thing and i know What's i'm that? just you know final thing you're is, fine I have mad respect for you and what you're doing. So keep up the good work. Thank um, you. I have to say the first time I met you, though, you were kind of intimidating. <laughs> hey, I've gotten this like, before and I don't I was, understand why. I was, like, I was like, oh, my God. Why is like Rach mean mugging me? Right. And then and then like and then. But then, of course, when I got to know you more, I was like, oh, my God. She's like the sweetest, well, nicest person ever. It's just like legit like that i don't know i think i think it maybe it's just because you're like you come off of like you know what like you're you're confident you know what you're doing and you know what you're saying so if you don't if you don't want to be straight up with me get out of my face <laughs> <laughs> you know kind of thing and i don't I know about all that but i'll take it <laughs> i i respect that but initially i was just like huh but then, of course, after I stayed you for a little bit, I was like, oh, yeah, that's that, that's my kind of girl. I totally, like, respect that. Like, that's who I want to hang out with. So oh, keep up the good. Much love. Oh, thank you. I'm I appreciate talking. it. <laughs> I was actually speechless after I finished my conversation, which we all know does not happen for me. Um, his story was just absolutely amazing and inspiring. And his stories of Ghana, like, that's stuff you hear in books, and it just was crazy. Um, just really, you know, inspiring to get out and get involved with community. I actually um, was able to volunteer this past Friday at a block party within a low income community. And to be honest, all I did was play with kids for like a couple hours, but it just opens your eyes to so much more around you. And so I couldn't encourage everyone more to get involved, um, no matter how big or small. I linked the sites for Eddie's Teddies and Days for Girls and the notes for y'all to get more information if you're interested but there are so many other avenues as well. Um, so like Eddie said, get out, be a part of community, go plant some seeds and watch them grow because um, that's awesome and that's where some true happiness comes from. So I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Oh wait, can we also talk about how he proposed to his wife? I absolutely thought that was amazing. And I will say, I have had a lot of people tell me I'm intimidating and I do not get it. So 
if you think I'm intimidating, let me know. Cause I just don't get it. I feel like I'm not at all, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe I put out that vibe, but anyways, I hope you guys have a great week. I am actually in the Chicago again this week, which is super nice. And then I'm heading to Pella this weekend to see some family before I head to Washington for work. So, you know, travel kind of crazy life, but stay involved, stay um, acclimated, get in your community and enjoy some life. But that's it for this week of Slice Up Your Life.